welcome to another edition of the Paul's Body Engineering Podcast. Today we bring you episode number 68 and I've got a very special guest on with me today. I was very, very excited when I found out that Cindy O'Meara was going to be a guest on my podcast today. By far the biggest guest I've had to date and I'm incredibly excited to chat to her in just a few minutes time. Cindy is the founder of Changing Habits, which is a um, platform where you can learn all about clean eating, organic eating, um, eliminating unhealthy habits from your lifestyle. She is a big advocate for that, that health health and fitness lifestyle that she lives and breathes herself. She also has the um, Nutrition Academy whereby you can learn all about nutrition, how to grow food at home. It, it There is an abundance of education through her uh, programs and forums that she's got. She's been in countless magazines um, and received numerous awards throughout the years as well. So. Without uh, giving her rap sheet a massive, massive plug here, let's uh, let's uh, introduce Cindy O'Meara and get on with the podcast. All right, Cindy O'Meara from Changing Habits. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for giving up your time today. Thanks, Paul. I'm looking forward to this. Fantastic. So, what is a what is a just off the cuff? What does a Friday normally um, look like for you? Uh, up early. So I usually put my alarm on about 10 to 5. Yep. Um, I meet a bunch of people um, at a coffee shop. Yep. Uh, we sit down, um, have a little conversation, get all the nitty gritty of the day before out of our heads. And then we head to the beach um, for a 40 minute breath session. So wow. we do a guided Wim Hof 40 minute breath session. Yep. Then it's a dip into the water. And um, after that, um, I usually come home, make a healthy breakfast and head to work. Fantastic. What a great start to the day. I love it. (laughs) Absolutely love it. (laughs) I had my first um, Wim Hof experience last weekend. I held a workshop at at my studio with, um, we did a four-hour breath work and then uh, an ice bath. And that was was just mind-blowing. It was unreal. So, yeah. That's who caught me, was who was with you, was Beck. Oh, really? Yeah, well, okay. Oh, there you go. Yeah, she's amazing. She was she, she, she there this morning? Yeah, she was with us this morning. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, she was um, so um, enthusiastic and um, just so down to earth and, and the delivery of the session was amazing. Like, she just came on our level. You know, she didn't seem – it was just, yeah, it was just really, really, uh, really, really great. So, cool. All right. Great start today. I love it. So, I thought um, to start with, I'd love to – because. Um, I, I always um, introduce guests with and, and find out a little bit about their background. So obviously we know of changing habits, uh, most people do, but I'd love to get your story before that. So um, were you always into this style of health and wellness or was it a, an evolution through your life that you came to that point and then developed changing habits? I'd love to get a little bit of a backstory if you would mind. Yeah. Well, I, I've always lived this life because that's what I was taught by my father and mother. Okay. So my dad was a pharmacist, believe it or not. Wow. And um, Yeah, and he was noticing in the 50s that um, more and more people were taking more and more medications and not getting better. And one of these, one of the guys that was taking a medication that always came in, which was Pepto-Bismo for indigestion, yep. he met him in the street one day and he, he said to him, you know, why haven't you been in for your Pepto-Bismo? And he goes, oh, I went to quack up the road. So the quack ended up being a chiropractor and my dad went and saw him and decided to quit pharmacy, um, painted houses for 10 months, made enough money, moved to America and became a chiropractor. So he went from a very mechanistic way of looking at food, not food, but health, 
Um, yeah. I say food because I'm a foodie, but sure. um, to health to a very vitalistic way of looking at health. So instead of looking at the body in parts, he looked at the body in a holistic way, as well as, as, well as all of its environmental issues that were going on. So my mum's from Iowa. She's the oldest of 11 children wow. um, from our Iowa corn farming family, um, from a father who was very much against DDT um, and the chemical revolution. Yep. So, you know, like, so those two got together, moved to Australia, and, um, you know, I came along and that was the way we were brought up. We were brought up in, you didn't go to a doctor unless it was a life-threatening situation sure. um, or you broke a bone. But even I had two broken bones growing up. My dad fixed them. I had wow. a broken colon and a broken foot. And he just, he just did what he felt he needed to do and plastered it up himself. And he was quite incredible. So wow. I was brought up without a medication, no antibiotics, no Panadols, nothing. He felt that our body needed to experience the small pains and the small fevers and the small inflammations in life in order to deal with the big ones. And okay. so I'm 61 next month and I've never, ever had a medication. Wow. So, and it's because of the lifestyle we were taught. So yep. um, there were ingredients to health that we did. Food was a really important part. Chiropractic care was another um, movement, sunshine, nature. We were always out camping. My dad, I think, had the first mobile holiday home. He called it the, it was a Ford, but he put a bed in it and he called it the Bedford. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah, so, like, that's the life I was brought up in. And and, and my mum being American, I had the opportunity to go to America to go to university, which was the best year of my life. I so I went and did pre-med at the University of Colorado, 20 minutes from the nearest ski slope, hiking every single weekend into the Colorado Rockies. Uh, and I did a, cl- a class. I did a, a class called um, anthropology. And then I loved anthropology so much, I did cultural anthropology the following semester. And I had the most incredible um, lecturer. And it was because of what he taught that I realised food was a very important part of our life, an important part of our evolution, important part of our survival. And so I thought, well, I'll be a dietitian. So I came back to Australia, um, went to the university in um, Warren Ponds, which was Deakin University, studied nutrition with 20 other girls. There was only 20 of us in dietetics. And then at the end of it, I went, oh, this is BS. This is about margarine and low fat and breakfast cereals and this is nothing to do with what I learned about survival of humans sure. and how we got to this point. So I thought, well, I don't want to be a dietitian. So I went back to university to become a chiropractor. So I did two more years of university, so six years in total, and did human anatomy, pathology, histology, embryology. I cut up cadavers for two years, learned all about the human body. Wow. And at the end of it, I went, I know exactly what the human body needs. We're an evolutionary body. We need evolutionary foods. Yep. I'm just going to call myself a nutritionist, go out on a limb and teach real food and go against what dietitians were teaching. And, that, and that's what I did in 1986. And wow. I've been doing it ever since. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's a great story. Oh, the Bedford. I like that. That's a, that's a, that's a great little Fantastic. Cool. So now here we are, obviously 2021, and you're still obviously, um, everything's still the same in terms of your own philosophies and your own, um, way of life and, and, and teaching others now too. So, um, I wanted to get into some of the nitty gritty of, of the things that you teach and obviously, you know, your philosophies. And the first one that caught my eye was um, counting chemical calories. Um, 
I, this is this comes up all the time for me in regards to processed food, packet food, and what's put in it in regards to the ingredients, particularly like alcohol sugars and things like that. Um, would you like to elaborate on that a little bit more in terms of your own um, set points and and then talk about the chemical calories in our foods because it's it's everywhere now. Yeah, it really is. And and when you go to the grocery store, what you see is ultra processed food, if you can call it food. Because when you look at, like, if if you saw 15 sauces, all with different, you know, one was a hot sauce, one was a tomato sauce, one was a chilli sauce, one was a barbecue sauce, what you would see is this, tomato. Then after tomato, you would see an acidity regulator, a flavour, a colour, and a thickener. That's it. So it starts with tomato, tomato, and then it has all of these other food additives, as they're called. But where do they come from? You know, that's the thing. Where are those those coming from? They're coming from a chemical laboratory. Like you think of an acidity regulator like citric acid. You think, oh, well, that's from citrus. No, it's made using something called synthetic biology. Synthetic biology, whereas they genetically modify a mould for citric acid. So they'll genetically modify a mould. To put and put it on a substrate in order to um, produce citric acid. So it's not it's not natural. It's completely um, crazy stuff in the way I think about it. And the reason why I don't like synthetic biology is that um, biotechnology has its place. For instance, in the 1970s, insulin was produced using biotechnology, genetically modified microbes on a substrate. A substrate being its food produces insulin. So it has its place. But does its place belong in every food that we will consume? So xanthan gum, um, natural natural vanilla flavouring. Think of this, like natural vanilla flavouring is a genetically modified microbe, not always, but it can be. It's a genetically modified microbe where they've taken the gene out of the vanilla that is for smell, put it into this microbe. The microbe is put on plastic. So recycled plastic, mm. it then produces natural vanilla flavoring. Natural vanilla flavoring, how can you do that? You know, like that just is ridiculous to me. Um, we also have xanthan gum. Xanthan gum used to be this black mold on broccoli and cauliflower. People will yep. see it on their own broccoli and cauliflower. Yep. Yeah, that's too hard. Let's genot- genetically modify a microbe, put it on a substrate, a food, and then, you know, go from there. I could go on and on and on with how they're making these additives. And we actually don't know the long-term ramifications of this because we're just part of a science experiment where this has been happening. And if we look at these additives and we look at the food that we are consuming and we look at the, we just have to look at the 1960s, Mm. uh, 1965, the Australian Bureau of Statistics shows that between two and 4% of the entire population had a chronic disease. Yeah, yep. 2018, the ABS says that between 38 and 40% of our kids under the age of 17 has a chronic disease. If you reach 65, then 80% of the population has a chronic disease. That means how many people are taking medications? How many? Like it's, to me, the proof is in the pudding, but of course, nobody's listening to it. But I'm not, not even like chemical calories in food is one thing to look at. But what about our agricultural principles, the glyphosate that they're, they're throwing on our food, the parkwat, the dicamba, the 2,4-D, the, the genetically modified soya, canola, cotton, and it's Roundup ready or dicamba ready or 2,4-D ready or the DDT that they sprayed or the 
arsenic and lead that they sprayed to get rid of a locust plague back in the, the 30s. Yep. So that's that's our environment. Then all the stuff that's spewing into the environment and then what we put on our skin. And, you know, like it's just we are in a chemical soup and our little babies, our little fetuses are the most vulnerable. And when you see now that kids are coming out sick um, and they're sick for their whole life, autism rates have increased, allergies, yep. sensitivities. When I started this in the 80s, I can take you back to the 60s. You know, I'm a 60s child. So I I remember my high school days and my primary school days. Everybody had to drink milk. It was the morning tea protocol. Everyone had to drink it. Nobody had an allergy to it. You could take peanut butter, jelly and and banana sandwiches to school. Nobody, you know, nobody cared. (laughs) Nuts not a problem. Uh, I don't remember anybody being on a drug. I don't remember anyone with asthma. I do not remember autism. I remember one man in the whole of my town, we called him Bendigo Brian. He wasn't quite (laughs) right. That's it. I don't remember anybody else having any any mental issues, depression, anxiety. No. I don't remember, um, you know, uh, any, um, what am I trying to think of? Eating disorders. No eating yep. disorders. And, and I was in a girls' school of 600. Like, yeah, wow. There'd be someone in there that had a problem. So um, what I have seen, and even in the 80s when I was helping people, I just have to get them off breakfast cereals and plastic cheese and modified milks and margarine, put them on real foods, they get better. Yeah. It's not happening now. This is not happening. I see people, you put them on real foods, they get worse sometimes because their little their bodies have no tolerance to anything because we have absolutely screwed up mm. mainly the microbiome. So when we do safety assessment of food additives, they're generally regarded as safe, of chemicals on the environment, chemicals on our food supply, agricultural chemicals, chemicals in skincare, chemicals in makeup. When we do safety assessment on them, we are only testing 10% of the human body, and that is the mammalian cells. We're not testing the microbiome. Now that we know better, we should be doing better safety assessment studies. And all chemicals should now be tested on the microbiome as well as our mammalian cells. Considering we are 10% genetically mammalian and we are 90% genetically microbes. So you would think that that beautiful symbiotic relationship that we have with them that does so many things to our health, digestion, um, immunity, we should be testing all of these food additives agricultural chemicals, skin chemicals, whatever else they're putting out there, they should be being tested on our microbes and they're not. It's just, yeah, it's, wow. it is, we are, we're slowly killing the human population. We're slowly becoming more um, infertile. Mm. Um, I just feel that if you, the government's not going to change. I no. can tell you that. Because no. I ring um, Australian Pesticide and Veterinary Medicine Authority all the time. Yep. So just recently, Bayer, um, who are the owners of glyphosate, so they own Monsanto, they own Monsanto. Monsanto were the makers of glyphosate. Glyphosate is a broad-spectrum herbicide and broad-spectrum antibiotic. Okay. So Bayer said that in America now, as of 2023, no one in the domestic market will be able to buy Roundup. Ah, yep, yep, I saw this, yeah. Yeah, so I rang Australian Pesticide and Veterinary Medicine Authority. I said, what's your, what are you going to do? And they go, yep. no, we're not making any changes. 
Oh, dear. And wow. they are only doing it as a just, they put $15 billion away um, to combat all of the legal cases for non-Hodgkin's lymphoma yep. that glyphosate is causing. So yep. $15 billion. That's what they've put aside to combat this. And so I just think it's not about our regulatory bodies. It's not about the government. You have to become educated and you need to make the changes yourself. You need to mm. live in an clean environment, make sure your home is clean, make sure your food is clean, look at what ingredients you're putting on your skin, what makeup you're wearing, yep. what clothes you wear, what furnishings you buy, what carpets you buy. And when you start to look into this, then you know you're doing the best you can possibly do for your health. Yes. And I know I've done this for a lifetime, but I teach people how to do this. It's yep. a step-by-step, bit-by-bit, habit-by-habit process. So do you think that's the um, the approach moving forward? Like it's not going to come from the top down. It needs to come from the bottom up, from an individual perspective, individuals making those significant changes in their household, teaching their kids the same principles, and then hopefully evolution will take it back to where it was like in the 60s. Do you think that's the best approach moving forward for for everybody? It's going to be a grassroots movement because if I as an individual choose not to buy at Coles and Woolworths um, or any of the big boys, but I decide to support my local farmers that I know are growing food properly, I go to my local farmer's market, I buy my cosmetics from my local lady down the road who grows all of her herbs, produces these amazing, nat- you know, care products. Yep. Um, if I start to work on that grassroots movement, I am taking dollars away from the big boys and True. I'm supporting my local community. So I know how powerful I am as an individual and I can't change anybody else. I can only influence. Yep. So... If I do nothing but ask your audience to buy local, buy at your local farmer's market, go to your little stores like your little grub that's up at Majimba. Um, I know there's lots more around, but that's my store. That's cool. my farm. I have a farm and I give produce to that. If there's yep. a, I've got anything extra, I give produce to them. Or I go to the Kwana markets or the Noosa yep. market. Kwana farmer's markets. Yeah. Oh, the Kwana markets is... It's just the most incredible vibe and yeah, we love incredible it. people and it's, it's a social life and, and it's like-minded people. This is where we start our grassroots movement is that we vote with our money. Yep. And if we don't give Coles, Woolworths, um, LD, Costco, um, um, who am I, else am I trying to think of? Even petrol stations, I'm becoming very, very particular about, although I have an electric car now, but, yep. um, you know, I would be very particular about the petrol stations, the clothes I buy, who I'm buying my clothes from, um, the baby wear that I'm getting, my carpets, you know, my tiles. I'm, if we just stay local, can you imagine what will happen to our community? In what have we got? Three hundred thousand people that live on the Sunshine Coast. Yeah, thereabouts. Yeah, and we support our local gyms. Um, we support our local food people. We support yeah. our local coffee shops. We don't go to McDonald's. We don't go to Kentucky Fried Chicken. We do not go to any of the big boys. Mm-hmm. Life will change, and the health will change. Hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. I could not agree more. Um, okay, so. Moving on to potentially a more positive topic, um, food for moods. You think that's positive? Well, it, it, I agree with you. 
I agree with you 100%. I agree with you. Um, but I, I, this, this one really raised my eyebrows because foods for moods, I think, is, is incredibly um, uh, prevalent right now given the state of the world. Everyone's busy. Everyone's stressed. Um, everyone has anxiety, uh, you know, I, I say holistically, but not everyone, but um, people don't sleep properly, um, you know, but the simplistic approach of just eating correctly to help with your moods, make you happier, um, help you sleep better, you know, enlighten your day more. Um, I'd love you to elaborate on that if you wouldn't mind. Yeah. Now, there's two ways of looking at at your moods and your mental health. Yep. So one way is looking at the foods that produce like dopamine versus serotonin. So dopamine yep. picks you up, yep. serotonin pulls you down. So helps you sleep, calms you down. Dopamine's like, let's get up and let's go, you know. So that's that's one way of looking at it. Then the energy, um, so it, there's actually three ways of looking. I'm going to write them down so I remember to go through them. <laughs> so... Um, so the second way is what foods you are using as your energy supply and how that is affecting your brain. So mm. that, and we know that, and that's ketosis. Yes. And the third way is the, the um, health of your microbiome because your microbiome has the ability to make the precursors for your neurotransmitters, which is what, how you think, how you move, all of your nervous system. So let's start with, first of all, the first one, which is food. So we know that when you consume a protein, that you will produce dopamine. And dopamine is your alert chemical. And I find it really weird that at, in the morning you eat breakfast cereals and at night you have your meat and veg. Yeah. So the, the breakfast cereals will put you to sleep because they will produce serotonin. Yep. And we know this. it's because yep. of the blood brain barrier. So those carbohydrates will produce serotonin. By 10.30, you're wanting a coffee. You're falling asleep. So then you take a muffin. And then the muffin puts you to sleep because you're putting serotonin in. You can't think straight. Life's, you know, you're using sugar as opposed to ketones to fuel your brain and body. um, And you run out really fast and your brain just wants to sleep. You know, so that's the first thing. So I think you should reverse it, like having eggs or, uh, you know, and for lunch, I usually have my leftovers. And then at dinner, I'll eat either a lot less meat or I'll do it like a vegetarian dish or I'll eat early. Okay. I won't eat late. So I'll make sure. And then at night, I might just have a banana or some blueberries to increase my serotonin to put me to sleep. Perfect. Um, so that's, you know, that's the basic rule. Carbohydrates put you to sleep. Proteins wake you up. But then there's also your fruit and vegetables. They're very neutral. Um, You've got, um, you're you're sabotaging fats. So fats will, really bad fats like margarine and canola oil and soya bean oil and vegetable oils, they will sabotage your health Mm. and therefore sabotage your, your mental health. You've got alcohol. It will depress you. But what's interesting is that everybody, if they like alcohol, try different ones. So for me, and I'm an individual, remember, so this may not work for everyone. Yes. Red wine and white wine put me to sleep, depress me. Uh, you know, I just want to go to sleep. I can't yeah. take it. Whiskey, on the other hand, without a mixer, just straight on the rocks, picks me up, makes me want to laugh. I have fun. I only need one. Yeah, okay. So beer, beer I can have occasionally, like a beer or a cider, sure. um, but I can have one, but I find that it just is a little bit gassy for me. So sure. you have to figure that one out. So alcohol can be sabotaging, 
but can also be different. So these are foods that we we know what they're doing to the brain and we know how they pick the brain up or push it down. So that's number one. Number two, when you use sugars in the brain, it will put you to sleep. But when you use ketones in the brain, it alerts the brain. It changes the metabolism of the brain. And we know this because um, when we look back at our hunter-gatherers, remember I did anthropology. Mm -hmm. So when we look back at our hunter-gatherers, in the winter, um, there wasn't a lot of food around, a lot of plant-based foods. You had to wander with the herds. You had to eat the herds or drink their, their product or whatever. So that was our main source of foods and maybe a little bit of polyunsaturated or monounsaturated fats in our nuts and seeds that would come out or our nuts usually like, you know, like if you look at when your nuts come out, they're a winter food, they're not a yes. summer food. So what would happen is that you go into a state of ketosis and we figured out that that works on the adventurous brain. The brain makes you want to get up and do things and get up and go. There's a reason for that because if you didn't have the the will to get up and go, you would die. If you didn't have the will to be adventurous and move with the herds, you would die. Whereas in the summer, there'd be a tree of oranges or no, that's a winter fruit, but a tree of nectarines or a tree of mangoes or a tree of plums, you would sit there and just eat them. You didn't have to move. You could just sit there and be quite content, eat them until they were all gone. That means you had to stay. You couldn't be adventurous. You just stayed in one place. You were happy to be there. So being in a state of ketosis makes you adventurous. Being in a state where you're only eating sugars makes you want to sit and do nothing. Interesting. Then the third part of this is the microbiome. So if the microbiome is working really well, it will make 90% of your precursors to your neurotransmitters. Um, If it's not working well, you're not going to make the the precursors. Therefore, you're not going to make the neurotransmitters. Therefore, you're not going to have the neurotransmitters for communication in the brain. And you might find your brain very sluggish. So when we look at this, we realize, and this is all anthropology to me, this is all culture and traditions. When we realize this, we can manipulate how our brain needs to be in order to do tasks or go to sleep. It's easy. I talk about it in my book, Out of the Table. Um, I I talk about the food mood connection um, and how the importance of, you know, being in ketosis, um, the types of foods that you consume. And it's interesting when you eat a, a meat um, which has fat in it, that's proteins and, and a good quality fat yep. that produces ketones, you know. So, you know, it, it just, it, it works so beautifully. Uh, and then we also know that plant-based materials will help the microbiome um, diversify and grow and um, be healthy. Um, because that's, you feed your microbiome with plants, you feed your body with, with animal products. It's, it's a, yep. you know, it's 10%, remember, 10% you are human, 90% you are microbes, and you need to feed both. Absolutely. Great take. I love that. Um, that's a really good point about the majority of people do eat cereal, breakfast cereal for breakfast and yeah you're right you, you, you're falling asleep by nine o'clock and then you have more carbs to try and pick you up but it has the counter effect and then you bring in the coffee to try and stimulate you so not only are you falling asleep you're having a stimulant and yeah it's just a, a world of pain and it's counterproductive so that's a very good point i like that 
And these are the dietary guidelines. Mm. These are ridiculous dietary guidelines. You understand in the 80s when I had done cultural anthropology and anthropology and then I go into dietetics, why I just thought this is ridiculous. Mm. But most people who go into dietetics, they start from no platform of understanding our history and understanding how we survived and they go into this oh, this is the way we eat, this is why. We look at the body mechanistically, we look at food mechanistically, we don't look at the body vitalistically and we don't look at food vitalistically. So they look at butter and they go, oh, my gosh, saturated fat causes heart disease, butter's 50% saturated fat, let's take it off the the shelf. We've been eating butter for for probably 10, 15,000 years. You know, as herders, we... And, you know, the, the Hindu have used ghee for, we know, five, 6,000 years. That's right, yeah. And then they went, oh, no, it's bad, you know. And, and like, this, this is the crazy thing is that a lot of dietitians think I'm the crazy one, you know. They think I'm the weird one, but that's okay, you know. <laughs> I know how good I feel. I know um, what I do for health. Yep. I know that I'm far, like, uh, you find me another 61-year-old that, can put a backpack on her back, 20 kilos, and hike 100 kilometres tomorrow. There you just, go. Just say it and I'll do it tomorrow. Or walk the bloody long walk, which is 35K. Yeah. And I could, if you asked me to do it, I could do it tomorrow. Because I do the micro things every single day mm. to be the best that I can be so that tomorrow I can cope with um, a hike or a stress or a disaster, or whatever is happening, I'm ready. But most Australians aren't ready. They've got no idea how to be ready. No, that's exactly right. And people coming to you is part of those micro steps. You know, food is a micro step, sun is a micro step, breath is a micro step, um, ice baths or or feeling the cold, seeing the moon, um, what else have I said, sleep, food. They're all the steps that you must take every single day consistently. It's not like, oh, I'll go on a diet for six weeks um, and I'll be on that diet for six weeks and then I'll go back to my old ways. That's delusional, absolutely delusional. And, <laughs> and you, you would see it at your gym, you know. All the time. Oh, the six-week program. No, yeah, eight-week challenge, a- yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you do a lifetime program. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Sustainable for life. Absolutely. Yep. Okay, so for someone who... Um, has obviously been conditioned in terms of the world we live in in regards to processed food and, you know, all these sorts of things. What would be your your top tips for someone who wants to make those subtle micro changes? Um, you know, shop at the farmer's market, shop at your local butcher, like all of those things. What would be your top tips for someone who wants to step out of that conditioned environment and actually better their own existence? Yeah. If they're in a crisis, they're going to have to change a lot of things pretty quickly. Sure. Yeah, but if they're not in a crisis and they know they need to change and they want to feel better about who they are, about their life, more energy, more health, then education is number one. So the narrative, let's just take where we are at at this point in time. So the narrative is let's put a mask on, let's socially isolate, let's vaccinate, um, wash your hands, what else? Oh, stay inside, lock up. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the narrative that you're listening to on mainstream media, on newspapers. Mm -hmm. And I'm the person who goes, 
don't follow the crowd because they're the ones that are sick. Let's do something different. Yep. And, and what I do differently is I've already expressed to you what I do every single morning. I don't do what everybody else is doing. I do something different. So number one, you have to educate yourself. Why are you doing this? What's the reason behind it? Turn that bloody television off completely. I never watch television. Never. Mm, okay. I do not listen to the radio anymore, not even the ABC, because they've become commercial with their BS yep. and their strategies for health. Um, so the way I look at it is turn everything off and start looking at people that are well and healthy and how are they doing it. Start following people that um, have been on this journey, you know, for a long, long time. Like I look at you, Paul. Mm. I'd go to you. I appreciate that. You're looking good. I'd be thinking, (laughs) and everybody talks about you, you know, one of the girls that work for me, she's just fabulous. She just loves you. And I'd be going, yeah, that's who I want to go to. I'm not going to go to somebody that, is not thinking straight, is not educating people, is not, there's a reason why we're doing it, not inspiring people. So my first thing is education, and that's what I do. Mm. I educate people through my books, through podcasts, through, like I've done 373 of my own podcasts. Wow. Um, but I, over seven years, I've quit now. I don't do them anymore, but people okay. can find them. Yep. Um, I, I educate through an education program. I educate online. You, you don't have to buy anything. You can just go to my website, read all my blogs, and become educated about what they're doing to our food, what are the changes that I need to make. Yep. Um, but the thing is, you need discipline. Don't Absolutely. expect to have this information and it changes for you straight away. Hmm. You must have discipline. First of all, we're an awareness that you need to change an education, and then discipline. Because I had to discipline myself as of March last year when all of this started to happen. I noticed I was getting, my heart rate was going up and I was very anxious about it. I didn't know much about it. Mm. So I was slowly trying to educate myself about it, but I didn't know much about it. And then I met Beck. Yep. And I started the breathing. So you can do it once, but that's not enough. No. So since March last year, I have been absolutely regimented every single morning I do a 40 minute breath work and then every now and then I go to Beck and do that bloody ice bath (laughs) 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 I have to tell you about the ice bath so I thought right all right Beck I'll do this ice bath so I, I it's winter and I hop into the ice bath to my legs right and in my head I'm going what do I need to prove? I don't need to do this. I'm not going to do this. I'm not getting in there. I'm not going to there. This is what my head's doing. I hop out. I get you hopped out. out. Oh, really? I hopped out. And then Beck, and then Beck goes, do you want to try again? I went, okay. So I get in, do the same thing in my head, hopped out. All the chatter. All the chatter. The rest of the, the day, I was furious with myself. I yeah, was okay. so angry and really upset. And then... I, I I realized I was, what was the word? I was um, complacent. Mm. I thought, I can do that. That's yeah. easy. Yep. Yeah, I can do that. But I obviously couldn't. So it was very fortuitous. I went down to Melbourne to visit my brother. He's a Wim Hof breather and cold water exposer every single day of his life. Wow. So I decided, right, I'm going to Wim Hof breathe with him. And then I'm going to get into the cold waters of the of Victorian 
um, Bay. Right. Which okay. is not as cold as an ice bath. It's about sure. nine or ten degrees in the winter. So every single morning I did it. And after 10 days, I went home, I rang Beck and I said, I'm ready. I'm going to do the ice bath. And so um, that next Saturday I did. I did the ice bath. Unreal. Um, and now I can do it because yep. I realised it's just head chatter. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, the, the, thing I, the lesson I learned there was I could have given up. Yep. I could have just gone, oh, I didn't need to prove anything. Sure. But you have to have discipline. And I know that that cold bath, because I've listened to Wim Hof, is, is good for health. Yes. And so I just went, and so that uh, I dip into the ocean. Well, it is 18 degrees. It's not that cold. But, I mean, <laughs> you know, it could be six degrees out and I will dip into the ocean. Yep. But don't, don't, be, don't think that you can do this and, and do this day by day for the rest of your life because that is being, like I said, complacent. Mm-hmm. Be disciplined. Wake yourself up up in the morning. Do the things that you need to do. Um, get rid of the stuff in your pantry that is is not serving you and replace it with stuff that is serving you. Yep. Um, and do it step by step. Let's say they start after listening to us, they decide to start with you. Let's just say. Okay. So first week, let's start the exercise program. All right, let's start. And I'm going to commit. I'm going to pay you for 12 months mm-hmm. and I'm committed for 12 months. Let's just say. Okay. So that gives them 12 months to get there. And then they've committed. They've paid you. They've done everything. Then they go the next week. They go, right, I'm going to stop eating breakfast cereals and I'm going to try a new breakfast. So all you have to do is go online on my website and you will find free breakfast recipes or buy my cookbook, you know. Yep. Just try a new breakfast. Try an omelette. Try cater. Try um, something different than a breakfast cereal. Yep. And it might be the butter versus margarine thing, right? I'm going to get rid of margarine. I'm going to put butter back. Sure. It might be, let's say you don't have a problem with milk. It might be getting rid of pasteurized, homogenized, skim, trim, rev-shaped milk mm-hmm. and go to real milk, you know, the milk that it was something that we had for 15,000 years before they destroyed our milk, you know. So if that's it, salt, what salt are you eating? The next week you do your salt. The next week you look at your bread, what are the ingredients of your bread? Are you going to eat those that bread that's got fillers and all sorts of crap and emulsifiers and non-egg products and all that crap? Or are you going to eat good quality bread? And where do I find that? Yep. I'm not going to shop at Coles next week. I'm going to find a farmer's market. You know, and just Absolutely. can you imagine in 52 weeks where you'll be? Oh, Can you imagine huge. if you one little thing a week? Imagine exercising with you for 365 days or let's do five days and take two days off. Yeah. Can you imagine changing one dietary principle every single week for 52? And now let's take it the other way. Let's say you change nothing. Ah, good point. Yeah, Yeah, good point. Let's just not change anything. What are you going to be like in 52 weeks? Let's just say this. So let's say that you're eating 200 calories more than you should be eating. At the end of, I've worked this out, 200 calories more. So let's say you eat 2,000 calories, 1,800 calories is perfect for your weight, mm-hmm. but you eat 200 calories. I think it's at the end of 11 days, you will gain 220 grams. Yep. At the end of a year, um, I can't remember the exact amount, but I know by the end of five years, you've gained 6.8 kilos. Yeah, right. In 6.8 kilos is 
Um, no, it's not. It's 50 kilos. Sorry, it's 6.8 at the end of the year. It's 60 kilos at the end of the, the Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I yep. was I, I, I worked this out the other day because somebody asked me. That it was just, it was a question and I went, and she just went, and do you do this, Cindy? And do you do this, Cindy? And do you do this, Cindy? And so I worked it out for her. And I said, I can have 50 people do my program. 25 will be successful for five, six, ten years. They will improve their health. They'll, they'll lose the weight they want to lose. They'll feel incredible. They'll, they'll do everything right. The same group, other 25, they've yep. done exactly, they've got exactly the same information, but they fail. What's the difference? It's not the information. It's the human that's disciplined, mm, that decides, disciplined. I'm not going to live like that anymore I'm going to live in in total integrity with the, with my health and my yep. body and my family's health and the planet's health and my community's health. I'm going to live in integrity and I'm going to make a change. You don't have to change anybody else. You just have to change yourself. That's it. You people go, what are you doing? Yeah. You're looking really good. Did you lose weight? Yeah, I lost 85 kilos, you know. And I have, had, I have people... In my group that have lost 85, 85 is the greatest amount that we've had lose. That's a big number. It's a huge number. Just by yeah. doing my food program. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. impressive. Yeah, it is. And we've had couples lose 60 kilos and we've had, you know, you know, I just, I just, and they keep it off. Like this program that I've been doing, I've been doing it nearly 10 years. Mm-hmm. And people who started with me in this program, you know, they educate themselves. They know what they've got to do. It's not like you're on a diet, you're on a way of life. That's it. Absolutely. It's a lifestyle, yeah. It's a lifestyle. And they know that exercise is important. They know sunshine is important, breath. Um, uh, You know, and and they just stick with what they've learned every time. They just keep sticking with it. And it's, by the way, there are no powders and potions and lotions and anything like that. It is food. Yes. It's real food. Done. 100%. No magic pills, no super shakes. No, no, no magic waist belts and oh yeah, it does no, my head no. in some of that stuff. It really does. No, the vibrators <laughs> to vibrate that fat off you, you know. <laughs> yeah. Remember those? Crazy. Someone's yeah, sitting in a room somewhere coming up with this stuff. Seriously, I don't know. Yeah, put put your time to better use. Yeah. Oh dear. Um. Okay. So you've touched on obviously book. Um. Your academy and stuff. Could you elaborate on some of those things a little bit more? Obviously. Um. Uh, changing habits and then obviously nutritional academy as well courses you offer products you've got available for people to help with them taking that step yeah so let's first talk about the nutrition academy because <laughs> natasha who is with you yes um and she works for me and she has worked for me oh, for ages years and years and years so she runs my nutrition academy and my nutrition academy um is um, a place where you can educate yourself. So there's short courses and long courses. So we've got the Introduction to Nutrition, which is a 10-week course, and then we have the um, Functional Nutrition course, which is a 12-month course. And at the end of that, there's so many things that you can do, and, I, and I'm not going to go through with them because that's easily found online. Sure. We also do the Incredible Edible Garden. So we teach I'm going to do that. Yeah. yeah. I'm going <laughs> to do that, yeah. 
We teach people garden skills so that they can create their own foods in their backyard without food costing them a fortune. Yep. So the Incredible Edible Garden course, we do a microbiome course, so but that's a postgraduate course. Yep. And we're adding more and more courses as we go. So her, we're looking at herb courses and train-the-trainer courses, all sorts of things. So at the moment, they're the only four things that we have on our platform. Yep. Then there, So for people who don't want to do a course but just want to do some education and some learning, there's my, uh, and by the way, the website is thenutrition.academy. Okay. Okay. So then there's changinghabits.com.au. So this is my website that has um, all my programs and protocols on it. Um, it also has foods. So we have certified organic food. Um, and my hope was always to, you know, have all the food staples, you know, your salt, your spices, um, your oils and things like that. And we don't, we don't have everything, but we have specialized. So we have seaweed salt. We have. I've got your seaweed salt in my kitchen. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah. So, you know, and, and there's a reason why there's seaweed in the salt and, and they can read all about that. They, they, they I can, I can talk for days <laughs> on, on this subject. So yep. I'll just briefly do it. So we have, you know, dates that haven't been pollinated with flour, like I'm talking about wheat flour. So all of these things we educate people about. We also do have supplements, but they are food-based supplements only. Yep. We do not do tablets. Um, we, we only do food-based supplements. So like things like Camu Camu, we have a food-based probiotic. We have a food-based peak performance, which has normal herbs in it, not extractions or anything like that. We have no, no fillers, nothing in, in those supplements. Okay. Um, supplements. So there, there's programs, protocols, blogs, and then there's um, education. So there's all my books. Um, so Lab to Table is where I would suggest people start. Yep. And then there's a book as well. I think you can get those two together. Uh, and, and that's, they're my two. And I also did a documentary um, called What's With Wheat? Uh, and you can see, um, you can go to whatswithwheat.com and learn all about my documentary. And it's about why so many people are having wheat issues. So mm-hmm. I'm from the 60s and 70s. We ate meat pies, sandwiches. Nobody had wheat problem. I knew one person with celiac disease and that was the sister of a friend of mine. That's it. Oh. Wow. No one else had a wheat issue. We all ate wheat. Nobody had problems with it. Mm. So what has happened to wheat since the 60s and 70s? So I did a documentary on that, What's With Wheat. Okay. I, think, um, I think that's – and then we have the farm, the Changing Habits Farm. So oh. we do regenerative agriculture. We grow food for my family and for Changing Habits. Yep. We have eggs. We have cows. We have chickens. We have cows. Um, we grow garlic and ginger and fruit trees and every fruit tree you can think of and all my greens and sweet potato and apple and, oh, I can't even think what else I grow up there. But lots and lots of wonderful, um, lots and lots of wonderful foods, you know, cucumbers, pumpkins, whatever's in season. Yep. Yeah. And you you hold um, events as well, do you not? Um, You get guest speakers in to talk about various aspects of this as well. Is that right? Obviously not at the moment, but... <laughs> so we, every year we have graduation. So okay. if you do the 12 month program, you'd come and do a day with me and I'd show you how you can use that program okay. to like to work in your community to help people learn what you've learned. So yep. um, we have a day with me and then we have incredible speakers come and speak. So I had lined up Zach Bush <laughs> from the US. Oh, I of course. Had, and the incredible Zach Bush. I had Sarah Farrant on vitalism. So Zach was talking about the microbiome and glyphosate and 
you know, what's happening to our food supply. He's a medical doctor. He's an incredible medical doctor. Yep. So we had Zach and Sarah. Anyway, that's not happening now because of um, both of our events last year and this year were cancelled. So we're doing a summit this year um, okay. in September with with our speakers because we figured we've had these speakers lined up for two years. We need to get that information out there. We think it's valuable. So yes. I want to get the information out there. So we're doing um, four of the speakers on one Saturday and four of the other speakers on another Saturday. And they're just going to talk about their wisdom. And this is where my graduates come. I have medical doctors who come. I have dietitians who come who have turned the leaf and know that margarine and low-fat and ultra-processed foods is not, it's not working for us. Nice, no, nice. Is the same. So, yeah, I, there's a lot going on. And then on the farm, we do farming events. So we do... Um, we teach people about regenerative farming, syntropic farming. Um, we do tree planting days. Oh, we just we do um, ginger planting days, garlic planting days. We just we just teach people how we do things. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Fantastic. I love it. I love it. Well, I might wind things up now, Cindy. I don't want to take up any more of your time this beautiful oh, Friday. Um, but thank you so much for your time. Now I finish on one question. Every guest uh, answers this question, and that is, who would you invite over to dinner? So it could be dead or alive, fictional, non-fictional, uh, male, female, celebrity, motivational speaker, whoever. Who would you have over to dinner to have a conversation with, sit down and just, you know, enjoy each other's company? It could be a couple of people as well. Yeah, I got a few that I'd like. Zach is probably one, but I have had I've had um, dinner with him. Um, so that's <laughs> well, I have had dinner with him. So I, I, and he's incredible. Joost um, Baker, um, okay. an Australian guy. Yep. Uh, incredible brain Uh, he created in federation square a completely um self-sustaining home right food electricity water everything yeah he's um he's incredible i have had dinner with him too though um (laughs) but i think the one man I would, and isn't this interesting, it's men, but the one man that I would really love to have to dinner, and I have met him, I met him in 2016, is Del Bigtree. Okay. So, yeah, Del Bigtree um, is a journalist in the US, and he has something called The High Wire. He's an investigative journalist and he, every Friday morning, and this is Friday morning today, yes. we're recording this, I listen to him for two hours. It's the only newscast I listen to. Um, and it's all about health. He, Although last week he did on the economy, which was really interesting. But he is somebody who is a truth seeker. He is somebody who will not put anything on unless he has the science to back it up. And then what he does is he sends you all the science to back up what he has been speaking about. Okay. He also has an advocacy group called ICANN. And he is making the government, the FDA, the um, which then makes the TGA, but the FDA, the CDC and the government accountable for what they are doing. He, to me, is my hero. And I would love to sit down and, and talk to him and see how I could help. That's what yeah. I would like, you know, and that's, that's the man. And his wife, I know his wife, you know, I've I've met them both. But I would like now they're five years on and where he's come from and where he is today, uh, I'd really love to have him and his wife around for dinner. Fantastic. (laughs) Great answer. Great answer. I love it. 
Well, thank you very much once again, Cindy. I really appreciate your time. Um, your passion resonates through the, the screen here about everything you've just spoken about. So it's, it's wonderful and refreshing to talk to someone about these sort of topics. Um, and hopefully some of the listeners can, um, can sort of jump on board and do their little bit to, to help in some way, shape or form. I know it won't obviously happen overnight, but, you know, if everyone does their bit, then we're united, we can, uh, we can make a, a bigger change for the better, for the future, for our, you know, future generations. Yeah. Yeah. And, and considering what happened last weekend where the New South Wales um, local farmers couldn't get across the border to, to yep. sell their produce, yep. I, think, I think that's our way of, of helping. And then you'll get healthy foods as well. And Absolutely. That, yeah. Make sure you know where you're spending your money and we, we can make a difference. We can. We can. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Couldn't agree more. Well, thank you once again. Um, really appreciate it. And I'll, uh, I'll put all the, the Change in Habit uh, websites and links and everything in the show notes when I, um, I put the podcast up later on today. Thank you. No worries. Well, that was a great podcast. And I'd like to thank Cindy once again for her time and um, being so transparent and genuine um, in the messages she was trying to get across. That was a fantastic discussion. So if uh, anyone would like to jump onto any of uh, Cindy's business pages, uh, all the information will be in the show notes provided, their website, and also you can follow them on their social media tags. Now, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please screenshot and share it across your social media stories. Tag myself at Paul's Bond Engineering and obviously tag Cindy and Changing Habits as well if you already follow them. That would be fantastic. If you're interested in any of my coaching services, please jump on paulsbodyengineering.com and have a look or reach out to me directly. But apart from that, as I say to every client every single day, have a great day.